Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. When you're in the zone, you need to be focused. Bring your A-game with Starbucks Double Shot Energy. Packed with B vitamins, guarana, and ginseng, Starbucks Double Shot Energy is the perfect pick-me-up. And it comes in delicious flavors, including vanilla, mocha, white chocolate, coffee, and their newest flavor, caramel. Own the day with Starbucks Double Shot Energy. Available online as well as at grocery stores, convenience stores, and gas stations nationwide. What could be more perfect than the perfect ratio of sizzling sausage to freshly cracked egg to melty cheese sandwiched together in a perfectly toasted McDonald's McMuffin? If we added jalapenos to spice things up. Now mornings have a little kick. The new cheesy jalapeno sausage McMuffin with egg. And add hash browns for a dollar on the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Visit McD app for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Chalk Talk. I'm your host, Taylor Davis, joined by McKenna Kelly, here to talk all things gymnastics. We've got a great episode for you today, as we always do. We're going to talk some different topics regarding the gymnastics world, obviously elite and college, and then we're going to recap our final meet of the week for a little bit. We are talking all about the number 10 team in the nation, Minnesota. We're going to recap their meet against Nebraska from this past season, and then we have a very special guest Joining us to add in on the Minnesota discussion, we have absolute standout gymnast Lexi Ramler calling in to talk about her competition days at Minnesota. It's going to be a great episode, and we got to give an MVP award to my co-host McKenna because Homegirl is recording this with a migraine that is on like day three. So shout out to you, girlfriend. I'd be laid up in bed. Oh my gosh, you are so sweet. Thank you. Uh, yeah, migraines are not fun. Not fun, but yeah. I appreciate that shout out. Thank you. That's how much you love our podcast, and I just yeah. feel honored. Well, we are going to just go ahead and get on into it so that McKenna can rest after we record, but a lot of different topics uh, happening right now, even though there really isn't any gymnastics happening, there's always plenty to talk about. So we are going to go ahead and actually start with one of the heavier topics, and Honestly, we've kind of touched on this topic a multitude of times lately, and it's because people are continuing to talk. And with movements and change, that's how it has to be. It can't be just a trend that pops up for a few days and then everyone reverts back to the way they were. It has mm-hmm. to continue. It has to grow and gain momentum. And that's exactly what's happening in the gymnastics community right now. So if any of you have not seen what's been going on on social media, a hashtag has begun called the hashtag gymnast Alliance, which has really kind of started this movement. There are hundreds of posts from gymnasts expressing different ways that they feel they have been wronged in their pursuit of gymnastics. And and really, it's just continuing to push back on the sports culture of abuse. So many current and former competitors, gymnasts, uh, have kind of broken their silence lately and posted. Some have just posted a tweet. Some have typed up you know, pretty extensive letters and post screenshots of those and just opening up about the treatment that they say, you know, kind of created mental scars and and long-term residual implications uh, that have carried 
into adulthood for these women. So there are a bunch of stories that are out on the internet. If anyone would like to read them, all you have to do is search the hashtag Gymnast Alliance. There's also a lot of, you know, coaches and and people in, you know, uh, higher up positions that are using the hashtag in support of this movement. And what's interesting to me is it's not just the elite world. We are now starting to see some stories coming out in the NCAA. And that's disappointing because, you know, we all kind of feel like once these athletes get into college, it's it's more of a safe place. And a lot of the time it is. But unfortunately, there are still uh, some people that are are used to that culture of abuse and are continuing that into the college ranks. So, you know, obviously we think, and it seems proven, Athlete A was really the tipping point that this sport needed. We obviously had gotten into a place of discussing this more and a lot of things being taken to higher platforms, but movements like this are going to make long-term change. And they're also going to provide therapy for a lot of these women that have been suppressing these emotions and feelings for a really long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to bring... I think it's going to bring a lot of emotions out for for different people who didn't even maybe realize what they dealt with. I know right. when I watched Athlete A, and I know we talked about it when we had talked with John Shank, um, that even even for myself, I, I didn't experience the the physical abuse um, that most elites athlete faced. I, I didn't I didn't face that at all, thankfully. Um, but the, yeah. the psychological aspect of it and the emotional aspect of it, I never put it together that it was abuse. That's such a heavy word. And, and, you know, you look at your success and you're like, well, I did all this. So like, you know, that's just, I guess, part of it. And that's our problem is, is our culture and the way we do things is based off of that, um, that control of abuse and, and power that it's just, that needs to be talked about. Like, like you're saying. Um, and I think a lot of girls, a lot of athletes are kind of coming to terms with their own psychological abuse. I know, again, like that was something for me that I had to kind of sit back and look over my career and look over the things that maybe that wasn't okay. Maybe that wasn't, um, I think could have been healthy. That could have been done in a better way. That could have been said in a better way. Um, but this gymnast alliance thing, I think it's a really cool thing of how people are coming together, how gymnasts are coming to each other's side, and, and again the coaches too. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, you're going to see it in NCAA too. I think I think the whole sport of gymnastics is going to is is kind of based off of this abusive mindset. And again, if, if we yeah. have coaches who were once athletes, they probably went through the same thing. So you're a product of what you went through. And and until we mm. can all kind of educate ourselves and bring and shed the light on the ugliness of, of our sport, things aren't going to change. So things like the Gymnast Alliance and of course, Athlete A are just small stepping stones in the right direction. But I, I love what you talked about. Like, I think a lot of healing is going to come from this for girls, for sure. I completely agree. And I think the name of this hashtag really speaks volumes to the change. Gymnast Alliance, because I think, and I've talked about it a few times because I really think that it's a huge part of the problem. Gymnastics is a sport that has been considered a very like niche market 
You know what I mean? Even, you know, we say we need to help grow the sport. We need to bring it more viewership. We need to get it to where it's more regularly televised. Gymnastics has been kept in its own little bubble that a lot of people feel like they have no business stepping into because you're made feel like you don't understand. It's such an intense, individualized what we're asking these athletes to do is what very few people in the world are able to do. Simone Biles is looked at as one of the most untouchable athletes because of her skill ability. So not just any Joe Blow coach off the street can right. work with her because you have to know a lot. So a lot of people feel like this is not a world that I can even try to speak on because mm-hmm. I don't understand it. Yeah. And I think that has allowed these coaches with improper technique or style to feel like they're there's a barricade protecting them from yeah. outsiders realizing how aggressive they are. And yeah. so this gymnast alliance and athlete A being on a platform like Netflix where the entire world can see it, it's allowing these gymnasts to have more of a support system. It's yeah. allowing us to have more eyes on the sport and hold these coaches to a standard that coaches in other sports are held to. No, you can't be kept as private as you are anymore because you abused that privilege. Mm -hmm. So I think that what this is doing is allowing people to get inside, to see more of this world that was kept behind closed doors for far too long. And look, it's making an impact. National Gymnastics Federations in Britain, Australia, the Netherlands, and Belgium have begun investigations or requested inquiries into alleged abuse. So this is starting a ripple effect, which is exactly what John Shank said he wanted to see happen. But I also think there's going to be a lot of coaches that need to take some inventory and reflect inward and go, okay, are my tactics okay? Am I pushing them as a good coach? Because listen, coaches are tough. They have to be. But you know when you are crossing the line of pushing your athlete to be their best and abusing them and getting them down to where they are beaten, that they don't even have confidence anymore. A good coach gives you the confidence that you can do what they're pushing you to do. This is where the line gets blurred in gymnastics. And I think a lot of coaches, elite and college, are going to do some self-reflecting, look inward, and make sure that if any of their tactics have been inappropriate, it stops right now. Yeah. For example, now that I'm a coach, I am all about that because, again, I was in that gymnast's shoes and my job and my passion as a coach is I'm not only, of course, I'm helping these athletes become better gymnasts, but overall, I'm investing them as a person. I want to teach them life lessons. I want to be there for them and be that coach that I didn't have. You know, I want to be that shoulder. Right. I want them to come to me, communicate how they're feeling, what their issue is. Are they hurting? Do they have an injury? And we're going to go from there. And I, and I want to do that so bad because I think I would have been a different athlete if someone would have planted that seed earlier. So part of me is... I guess I'm looking at the bright side of things in the terms of the psychological trauma or damage that I face as a gymnast because it's it's given me perspective and it's allowed me to step in and, and be that change. So I think moving forward, all right. coaches alike, we need to be that change. We need to remember these are kids. And at the end of the day, it is just freaking gymnastics. It is not life or death. It is right. not that serious. And this is a human being. And if we're going to be using yeah. techniques and words that are hurtful, 
that's not affecting their skills. Like they leave the gym feeling and still dealing with those things. Sure. We may not lose sleep at night, but we don't know that if that kid is or isn't. And so we have to be careful, um, about what we're doing as coaches. And, and, you know, again, part of that goes back to the fact of our past in the sport and the way things were taken advantage of, unfortunately, but also it, mm-hmm. it's a good thing because this, this needed to happen. Uh, this culture shift needed to happen. I agree with you. Okay, well, we are going to transition to a little different topic. Obviously, man, COVID is just wreaking havoc on life. Can I get an amen? We got some news this week. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 have officially postponed their fall sports. So for us college football fans, life has been a little nerve-wracking. Obviously, these two conferences just felt that that was the best decision for their student athletes. And I'm sure you guys are going, okay, but there's no decision about gymnastics yet. That is very true. Winter and spring sport decisions will come later. But this does, you know, kind of, it's the first domino to fall in a way, because if you're pushing that, they're saying they're going to try and play in the spring. How does this affect next semester? Everything that happens within the school academic year is going to have an implication on the latter. So gymnastics very well could be affected by this, and we're already seeing it a little bit. Michigan, for example, has already announced the cancellation of all organized practices on campus right now. So gymnastics cannot be in the facility practicing together and starting that trek towards season. So you're already going to cut down on their time together. And listen, we we talk about it all the time. Like everything has a time and a purpose and there is a long-term plan. It's not just when season starts. This right. beginning time is imperative. And, and we're actually going to talk to Lexi about that, just kind of what it's like to build that team camaraderie over Zoom or over phone calls. Like this is... This is not normal and there's no way this isn't going to make an impact on them. So just wanted to throw that out there that, you know, those decisions have been made for two out of the power fives. And so likely schools like Michigan and UCLA and and really staple teams in the gymnastics world could be affected by this. And, And I just have no idea what college season for gymnastics is going to be like, but McKenna, just give me your quick opinion on, you know, if, if you were still competing right now and this time of year was as unknown as it is right now, how do you cope? I, I really don't know. And I'm thinking (laughs) that's not a problem. I, (laughs) (laughs) um, but you know, that makes me think about, so on it, I mean, not that I hope that this happens, but for the safety of all athletes and for the sake of people's health and, and lives, um, you know, at this point, it's like if if some conferences are, are choosing to postpone and cancel, then I think all of them should, because I'm thinking, say, say for whatever reason, the SEC doesn't and they decide to go ahead and have a gymnastics season. So do those seniors graduate and then the, you know, the, the seasons that were canceled for other conferences, like, are they still going to be seniors? Do they get another year? So like, are all senior classes not going to, you know what I mean? Like that's, right. that's kind of a, a tricky thing. Um, very confusing thing, but I guess if I were in these shoes, I don't know. Part of me, I feel like I'd be like, you know what? Regardless, this is my last year of training. Like I'm going to give it all I got. And then I guess part of me would be like, YOLO, you know, like I'm just going to do me look, look to what's next. Maybe I really, 
I really don't know, but I guess to the seniors out there, um, keep being that staple that you are for your team. Keep being you. You don't need to be something you're not. You can't fix this pandemic. So don't try to put it into your hands that, oh my gosh, like I need to get the team together and we have to do this, this, and this. So we can be like, just do you because you are enough for your team. And this pandemic is affecting everyone. And as long as you're doing the best you can, that's all you can do. Yeah, I mean, it's going to require everybody to kind of dig deep and remember, you know, why you got involved in this sport and just try and make the most of where you are. You mentioned the seniors and I even think about the incoming freshmen because it is so intimidating to know you're about to throw yourself into a new team, a new place, new school, like it's a lot. And so to be prolonging that transition phase is really going to take its toll on the freshmen, but I think everyone just has to really have a lot of, you know, self-discipline and um, assert yourself however you can try to connect to your teammates, but also stay up on your training as best you can because you're you're not necessarily, you know, dealing with people being on your back and making sure that you're doing everything that you can. You have to hold yourself accountable because yeah. if, if season does, you know, happen and you were in a more limited practice training schedule in the months prior, it's really going to showcase who was doing what they needed to do when yeah. no one was looking. So that's, that's imperative. And I think that that's, that's something that all athletes really need to keep their minds on right now. Well, my last story that of course I have to get McKenna's input on someone very close to the story, mm-hmm. longtime head coach, the Dean of coaches in the SEC. Dee Bro announces retirement after 43 years. I got to be honest, I didn't think this was ever going to happen. I just, <laughs> I never thought, I didn't see it coming. I really didn't. Right. Uh, obviously, she gets asked all the time, you know, when, when are you going to be done? When are you going to know you're done? And she always said she, she felt like she would know. And during this time, which does have more of a lull than usual, it's a transitional period for everyone. She felt like this was the right time to step down and uh, and and pass the reins on to Jay. But she retires as the longest tenured coach of any sport in the oh Southeastern so Conference. Cool. <laughs> it's crazy. And she has built the LSU program into From a national ground. powerhouse. I mean, the best gymnastics facility in the country, the best university support. I mean, what she has built there is an expectation of excellence and she has solidified it to continue after she leaves. During her tenure, she has more than 800 wins. The Tigers have placed among the top 10 nationally 31 times in her 43 seasons. Her gymnasts have combined to win 15 individual national titles and 44 SEC titles. She has coached 266 All-America and 91 All-SEC honors in 43 seasons. I mean, her resume is stacked. I'm exhausted from reading that. But look, Dee Dee is one of a kind. That is just how you describe her. Her energy and her passion, her love for Louisiana, her love for LSU. If I had a dollar for every time I heard her say that, I would be quite wealthy because she really does. She couldn't hide it if she tried how much she loves LSU and the state and, and the passion that surrounds the culture. And she wanted that to exist for the gymnastics program. And she's done that. So 
I want to get your input on what it was like to be coached by her and your reaction to the news of her retirement. Yeah, um, she truly is one of a kind. Um, I always say it was an honor. I mean, people would ask you, you know, in your university, people, they follow gymnastics. They're really into gymnastics. They know the coach. They know you. And so mm-hmm. I used to ask all the time, what's it like being coached by Didi? And I'm like, just what you would think. Like, she's she's a coach. You know, she's got a coach when she's got a coach. But she is easily, hands down, the most enthusiastic person I've ever met. And for someone who's been in the sport as long <laughs> as she has, you would think things may get a little mundane or a little you know, the same. And this woman would come in every day with the same passion, mm-hmm. the same drive um, to to get through the day and be better. Her, her um, quote was kind of always, you know, we want to get this much better. And she would hold up like a pinching sign, right? With, with her finger, like, because if you get yeah. that much better each day, I mean, you're growing. That's progress right there. And that's kind of what she um, would tell us is, you know, get that much better today. And she was, I always say she's a legend because she's just so, she's just Didi. She's just Didi. Um, her passion <laughs> for LSU, like you said, it is, I think that's what made me want to love LSU as much as she did. I loved the way yeah. Louisiana loved her back. Um, it was a really, really cool thing to be a part of. And you reading all of those, um, you know, accolades that she's coached gymnasts and stuff. It's cool to know, like, I was one of those. I'm one of those numbers. And um, yeah. She's just so awesome. But as far as this retirement, I'm I'm really I'm not surprised, but I am surprised because each year this woman would like sign another contract because she just wasn't done. So like, <laughs> yeah. we all knew this was coming, and like it, it was laughable at some point. Like seriously, maybe another year. Like what else? Yeah. Obviously, you want to win the national championship. No kidding. But um, totally. But yeah, I think the timing's great. I think just with the uncertainty of everything, and who knows if season's canceled or not, or when we'll get back to normal. Like. I think this was good timing and, and a really smart call. The SEC won't be the same without her. You know, like she just had that energy that was contagious and we will miss her, but we probably won't have to miss her that much because I fully expect her to be around a good bit. But <laughs> it, uh, it It is time for her to move on and we certainly wish her well and hope she enjoys her retirement. Well, guys, it is time for our meat of the week recap. This is going to be our last one for a little bit. We decided to do the top 10. So we are wrapping things up with the number 10 team in the nation, Minnesota, and recapping their meat from this past season against Nebraska. So I will let McKenna run us through each apparatus and talk about what this team was given to us at that point of season. Yeah, so obviously home meet for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. So starting strong on vault, um, we had Kristen Qualia uh, starts off with a Yurchenko full. I thought a pretty great start. She was clean in the air, a little messy on the landing, trying to find that stick, but overall a good start. Um, then we had Tiari Salas. I like tried to type out the pronunciation of each name because I know- Me too. <laughs> We butcher them so bad, and I know the listeners are like cringing and they're mad, but you know we're human. So, um, she nailed Tiari nailed that landing. I wrote like, wow. <laughs> Commentators mentioned that this is her second vault ever for the Gophers. I loved the confidence in her face um, right off the bat. You can tell this kid is only she's only a sophomore, and she is going to be such a staple for them. She already is. Third up, we have Paige Williams, huge full with a pretty big hop. Um, no need for her to have piked that down. Maybe she was working an upgrade and she had watered down for this meet. I, I thought it was awesome, though. 
And then we have our featured guest for today, Lexi Ramler, up in the fourth spot with a beautiful one and a half. She had a slight knee bend in that last half, though a small hop. You can tell she has great air awareness, great control on her landing, even with a hop. Then we have Ona Loper, beautiful one and a half, very clean and technique, sound in the air, just needed to find that landing. And maybe I thought I thought she needed maybe just a little more, more height. Um, and then their anchor, Maddie Cor Corals, I believe. Maddie, just going with Maddie. But holy smokes, you guys, this was gigantic and so clean and only a freshman. Wow. To put a freshman in your anchor spot, one, that shows her own skill set and talent, but two, her confidence. Yeah. Being mm -hmm. up last, being that staple, being, hey, like I'm going to round things up for my team, that is quite, quite impressive. So I'm excited to see this vault um, come throughout her the rest of her college career because as a freshman and it was that great, can't wait. That was really, really good. Overall, was a little underwhelmed. Not gonna lie, um, but that was that was the consensus of vault this year. So I I just felt like there wasn't a ton of power or amplitude, and the ones that did have it didn't have the polish. There were a lot of hops on landings, some stutter steps, things like that. So uh, there were no nine nines in this rotation. Honestly, mm -hmm. it, it took took a little bit for them to get into the nine nine. Really, not until beam and floor, I think. But. Um, it, it was good. I, I think that there's uh, there's something to be said about um, three Yurchenko foals at the beginning of the lineup that's already going to be really difficult to match some of the other teams in the country. Mm. But if you have that many in the lineup, I, they just need to be a lot bigger. Uh, and so I was I was a little, you know, a little underwhelmed, but not to say that it takes away from from the talent and the ability. It's just been something in the water on vault, something <laughs> on that runway. Just I don't know. Maybe that maybe the springboards aren't springy yeah. enough. I'm not sure, but um, this this definitely wasn't a good representation of this team. I felt like the meat really built, and sure. by the next rotation, and then certainly beam, I understood. But vault vault was just a little low for me. Sure. Well, getting into that second rotation, bars. Um, they start off with Kristen, who we saw in the vault lineup, um, actually up first, first part two for her. Very controlled routine. She had a beautiful Pike Jaeger to an immediate overshoot. The best way to start off a rotation with a hit sound routine. She was a good start for them again. Then we had Hannah Wilmarth. She had a stunning ray to a stuck cold bail. I mean, that thing was boom. She added that the commentators had mentioned Hannah added a new stalder on the high bar. You could see her team in the background was so excited and pumped for her. Um, yeah. so she went stalder to a double tuck dismount. Overall, great work. Um, Ona was up. Her game face is so legit, I wrote. She kind of gave me that um, Jade Degovea vibe of like, this oh, yeah. is me, like, I'm going to be serious. But overall, like, her gymnastics itself reminds me of a former teammate of mine, um, Shay Zamardi, just kind of tall mm -hmm. and long and, like, um, just graceful overall. But she had a beautiful shapash to pack. She seemed a little short on the amplitude of her releases for me, um, but she was super clean. Um, and she finished off her routine really great. Okay, Tiari is up again. And I wrote, chills, wow, an absolute yeah. tone to me. She starts strong with a beautiful bail to handstand, goes for her major release, which is a called a horkina, which is a different kind of move. So um, and it was in the second half of her routine, which is really telling to her stamina. 
But a horkina, for those of you who are like, what the heck is that? Um, so picture, picture it's, it's a front grip release. So like a Jaeger, but she'll go over the top of the bar in a straddle, kind of reminiscent to a Tkachev. So I guess if a Jaeger and a Tkachev had a love child, it would be a horkina. Um, <laughs> he topped it off with a nailed double A and they gave her a nine eight. And I wanted to punch my screen because yep. that routine was so good. And I know... Um, their coaches got on the judges about that. Um, and I think there were some score changes by, by beam already. Um, but I was just kind of underwhelmed with the scoring, especially at a home meet. I think this goes back to the judging bias. Like even the judges are like, well, it's Minnesota. Like, you know, they're no, they're not an OU. So like, they're not going to get those nine nines. And it's like, that's not true because Tiari just gave me a 10. So I don't know what you're saying. Um, fifth up, we had Ivy Lou, very nice routine, seeing a lot of Shaposhes in this lineup. Um, the commentators talked a lot about her as a bar worker. She's excellent. No question. But I was honestly more impressed by Tiari. Nothing, nothing to take away from Ivy Lou, but I just, I was so blown away by Tiari's routine. Ivy Lou was beautiful lines, beautiful gymnast. Um, and she finished off her routine fabulous as well. Then we had Lexi, um, anchoring things. Not surprised here. Super flighty Shaposh to pack with a super impressive Shaposh half um, and finished off with a full in that dropped out of the sky and absolutely stuck it cold. Um, I mean, that's how you finish off a rotation. I think that's, you know, when the ball really started rolling for these girls was this event. I agree. I thought, I thought there was a huge noticeable difference between the first three in the lineup and the second three in the lineup. Mm -hmm. I felt like after the third routine, a switch flipped and it went from a good bar lineup to a great bar lineup. The last three really impressed me. I totally agree with you about Tiari Salas. That girl, I, she is going to be Lexi when Lexi is done. Like she is, she performed so well in the all around. She was so reliable and so solid in her skills. And she had a smile the entire freaking time. Like you could just tell she loves what she's doing. She feels confident in her gymnastics. And to see that confidence in the all around in a conference meet from a sophomore, you know what you're going to have with this girl. So I thought the world of that. The first three routines, it's not that they weren't good. They had good form and whatnot. I would like to see some upgraded dismounts. All three of them did a double tuck dismount and it just seemed a little repetitive. And I was like, is this all they have? And unfortunately I felt like the scores had a harder time building because of where the first three established themselves. And so I, I feel like a little more upgraded skills and dismounts and, and a little better execution. I love that Hannah went for it and added a stalder. You could see her arms bend, like she was muscling it up a little bit, but Hey, I appreciate the add-in and, and continuing to evolve your routine. I think that's what they needed to continue doing if season had progressed. But man, those last three, those are those are some of the best bar routines you're going to find. And, yeah. and I really felt like they got, like you said, the ball rolling. I think yeah. by the time those last three hit the way they did, it really gave them the confidence that they took into Beam. Yep. Uh, and Beam was, I mean, jaw-dropping. They started off with Ali Sonier. With a great series, very, very strong and confident. I mean, not wavering at all. Extremely difficult dismount. A flick to a one-armed flick. Okay, back handspring. Sorry, we call them flicks at my gym. Back handspring to one arm, back handspring to a one-and-a-half dismount with a small hop. But, man, that was exquisite. And then we had Ivy. And let me just say, 
She is ranked number two on Beam. So I'm just going to put that out there. She did a cat leap to a switch half, which was super strong. A perfect side summy and holy wow, a giant flared cartwheel gainer full dismount. And y'all, if you haven't, if you didn't watch this meet and you're just like, you know, listening to listen, like at least go watch Ivy's beam routine because I just like could not believe what I was seeing. The confidence throughout this entire beam lineup was like, it was like they were on the floor. They were working the floor. Oh my God, I don't yes. know, I don't know yes. how they trained them over there, but holy smokes. Then we had Ona up again. I wrote so unfazed. Flick lay for her series. Nice front toss to switch leap straddle quarter and a small hop on the landing. Then we have Mary Corlin Downs, which we talked about a couple episodes ago. Um, she is given a sixth year. So they're going to be lucky to have this girl again. Um, but a beautiful style on her dance. Um, pretty, but a little bit of a wobble on her series. Nailed her side aerial to full dismount. I thought she was very poised. I was very impressed by this team's character overall so far. Yeah. Then we had Tiari right on triple series. Everyone is so solid and so sure of themselves, especially Tiari. And I loved her confidence. I just, I love the way these girls are working the beam. Um, and she stuck her gainer pike dismount. And then we have Lexi. I wrote, ugh, heart eyes. I had to watch this routine <laughs> twice, actually, because I was literally in awe the first time and I didn't realize I wasn't taking notes. Um, so I had to watch it again. So, but from her style to her form to her dance, her technique was flawless. Like, I I have no words. It was so stinking good. This beam lineup was, I mean, it, what can you even say? It was so good. Yeah, what can you say? It got to the point, I think, in like the third or fourth routine where I just wrote, dude. Like, <laughs> time after time, routine after routine, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, it, this was a lights out one of the best beam lineups we have watched. And we have now concluded the top 10 in the country. And this beam lineup is for sure top three. I was no question. gobsmacked by this. You're absolutely right. The confidence. There were several girls that smiled the entire time they were performing. Yes. And I say performing intentionally because the dance quality, the performance details that they executed on beam while having insane difficulty. I was so floored. The leap combinations, the series, there was a triple series, the dismount variation. I, it was, I, it was beautiful. Oh, it was, it was jaw dropping. Um, going on to the last rotation. Um, I want to just like note this, um, just preface everyone. So you'll notice that their scores may seem a little bit low, um, which at least I did on floor, but I think it was due to their lack of E tumbling. So with this means you have to have an E credit in your floor routine. And a lot of these girls, I don't actually think maybe there was some front double fulls, um, but there were not a lot of E passes. So you yeah. have to make that up somehow in dance. So we saw a lot of jump connections. We saw a lot of different leaps and turns and that sort of thing. So that's, I think, why maybe it had something to do with their, their scores being a little bit low. At least I thought they were a little bit low, but yeah. Anyway, we start off with Allie, who had a massive double pike to start. Um, I thought her she was a little low on amplitude in her leaps, slightly under-rotated in her front full front lay, but um, to her second pass and then ends with a solid one and a half two front layout. Solid routine. I think we see that kind of cookie cutter routine a lot in college, but it works. It's consistent. Um, I feel like it is not as painful <laughs> for gymnasts, um, which is why we see it so much. And of course, it hits all of the requirements needed. 
Um, mm-hmm. Then we have Tiari, nailed double pike. Uh, she had a whip half to a front full. I thought she was very fun to watch. That was a great routine. Then we had Hallie Remlinger, uh, double pike, one and a half to lay out, and with a solid double tuck. Um, and she is only a freshman, and I really enjoyed her routine. I thought it was really fun. Um, then we have Lexi up with a split ring jump to start. Let's just put that out there. Like never in my life could I ever do that or try that. Um, she went front handspring double. Uh, she was a little off, but she worked her way out of it. I think that comes back from her elite background. Um, she just knows her body knows how to make things work. Um, just from her experience overall, she went front handspring Rudy for a second pass. I thought she had some fun music. Um, ended with a one and a half through to double full. That was so clean. Uh, then we had Ona or Onya or Anna. What I'm so sorry. Anna. Anna. Like Anna yeah. and Anna. Okay. 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 I think I was called, I've been calling her Ona. Sorry, everyone. Anna. <laughs> she went front layout to Rudy and holy control. Like it was so good. It was so stinking good, especially in that two and a half. Are you kidding me? Like I have never seen a two and a half stuck that way. I normally you see a gymnast like kind of take a big step out of it or like they'll do an arabesque out of it because they can't control that. And I mean, this was a dart. Um, then she went front one and a half or excuse me, one and a half to front layout. Very, very clean and so floaty and patient with each skill. Um, and she did a very impressive leg up turn. Then we capped off the top six with Paige Williams. She had a huge and clean front double. Um, I wrote OMG, her leaps had so much amplitude hitting both 180s, which is always going to be impressive to me because that was like pulling teeth to get me to get that. Um, she went one and a half to front layout and then a front hand Rudy with a slight pike down in that last pass. Um, and then they had an exhibition, Mallory. She had a big Rudy chest was down, um, with a big hot back. She was a bit squatty on the front full to front layout, but I loved the music. Um, she got that last pass spotted. Um, you can tell she needed that boost, but good for her. You know, at that point, it's about getting yourself out there. And sometimes you, you just got to go for it. And I think that's kind of, you know, what they were aiming for and putting Mallory out there, getting her that experience. But um, overall, this, this gopher team, they know who they are and they're very sure of themselves. Um, there's just a confidence about them. I, I really like the character that they are. Um, they were a really solid and really great team to watch, no doubt. I agree. I, I really enjoyed watching this one. I can see why they were top 10. I think this meet, was it a February meet? I feel like it was. Um, so so they were about half halfway through the season, so I'm sure they would have, you know, continued to fine-tune some things. Some landings would have tightened up, gained a little more confidence, sure. settle in on the lineups. Like, I'm sure – what we're seeing right now, we can add in a little advancement and progression toward postseason. And I really think this would have been another one to really keep your eye on and and not sleep on if you're one of the top five. So a lot of good things uh, for this program to be holding on to. They have a a lot of sophomores and juniors that are going to still be there and continue to contribute. And I think the coaching staff is really laying a solid foundation uh, for this thing to continue to grow, continue recruiting and and get some really top notch athletes that are coming into this program with an expectation that we're going to make a national championship run. So I expect to see more good things from this Minnesota program and who better to help us confirm that than one of their absolute standouts, Lexi Rambler. We are so excited to bring her in and get her insight on this program. So without further ado, let's bring in Lexi. 
Lexi, thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, like I said, we have been talking all about this Minnesota team and what you guys were putting together this past season before it unfortunately came to an abrupt halt. But we're going to talk all about everything that was happening leading up to that point. We want to talk about your career because, girlfriend, you have just been dominating. (laughs) I mean, from an outsider's perspective, it really does look like college gymnastics and and the NCAA competition field suits you so well. I mean, you're from your performance quality to your execution, like it just seems like such a perfect match. And honestly, that adjustment for you seemed to come fairly early in your career. I mean, you were a regular contributor starting in your freshman campaign. So talk to me a little bit about what this fit has been like for you. Do you agree that, that college gymnastics really suits you well? And if so, how did you get to that point? Yeah, I mean, starting in club, um, I went through USAG and then on to elite and then back to USAG for my last year. Um, but, you know, definitely a very individual environment. So coming mm-hmm. to college, it's all about that team environment. Um, and so I learned a lot from there. I had to, you know, adjust to a team. Um, but, you know, you really realize how much they're there for you. You know, it's mm-hmm. on your yeah. tough days and your good days. Um, they're always there to support you and stuff like that. Um, and so I really definitely thrived off of that. Um, and having girls that were my level to train with. Um, yeah. I really only had one teammate, which was Hallie Remlinger. So she's going to be a sophomore this year. Um, and so she was really my only like teammate and everybody else was, you know, working giants or something like that. Um, and so it was an entirely different environment. Um, and but it was it was cool. It was definitely something different, but something to definitely adjust to and just thrive off of. Um, And so coming from elite where you, you know, put big tricks together and try to put them all super close and then to college and you're really, you know, fine tuning everything and just figuring out how can you make, you know, your cat handstand the best cat handstand out there. Um, And so I really just, you know, cued in my focus on that and went after that. And it's been a blast ever since. Overall, in the recruiting process, um, I-, I love asking this question. The listeners are probably like, okay, like I could literally quote this question for you, McKenna. I ask everyone this because I think it is just such a fun thing to go through. And I think it's fun for even yourself to like relive kind of this process. But talk to us about the recruiting process. When you were looking at schools, ultimately, why Minnesota? Why, did, why was that home for you? Yeah, so, I mean, I definitely committed late. Um, Now, I guess it would be early, but I was end of sophomore year, I think. Um, So kind of the people around me that I knew um, already committed to their schools. Um, But I was really just focused on doing gymnastics. And I was like, I I don't even know what I want to do in college yet. (laughs) Um, And so then kind of just, you know, coaches contacting and, you know, coaches coming to, to visit and everything. And So it was pretty cool to just have those, you know, high level coaches coming in and, you know, watching my gymnastics, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I ultimately decided on Minnesota pretty much um, because I wanted to stay close to home. Um, Mm -hmm. I have I I trained in Winona, Minnesota, which is about two and a half hours from St. Michael, Minnesota, which is where I my actual home is. So for six years, my mom and I drove two and a half hours down every single week 
um, and would drive home on weekends and I'd do school and I'd practice down there. Um, wow. And so I have an older brother and two nieces. Um, and, you know, just for those six years, kind of being away from home, but still, you know, seeing family on weekends, um, I just, I, I wanted to be close to them. I wanted to watch my nieces grow up. Um, and so, I mean, that was probably one of the big reasons why. Um, but then, you know, just to top it off, I mean, the coaches are just absolutely incredible. Um, and they, you know, they really focus on you as an individual, which mm -hmm. is extremely important. Um, and, you know, the academics, which, I mean, any direction that you go, they're going to have great academics. I started in science and now I'm in business and either one would have been, you know, an incredible opportunity. So um, overall, Minnesota really just, just checked all my boxes and it's a good fit. <laughs> it seems like it. And I'm sure they are very happy to have you. And, <laughs> and there were some other athletes that were really standing out to me. I think Tiari yeah, yeah. Salas is like, such a staple as a sophomore she kind of yes. seems like once you move on she's kind of going to be that rock you know I really think this program it, and it and it starts with recruiting right and bringing in those athletes that really make their mark for four years they start as the underclassmen make their way into leaders and and that's how you continue that trend of being in the top 10 nationally and and making a push for that national championship so uh, I'm not surprised at all to hear that that's how the fit uh, kind of fell into place for you and I think <laughs> that they're doing a great job of building that program I want to talk to you about where things are right now, because obviously mm -hmm. this ain't the normal <laughs> off season. Let's be real. No. I mean, things have been uh, quite strange since the season abruptly ended and you guys had to make peace with the fact, specifically the seniors, you know, make peace with the fact that their mm -hmm. career was over, but also you guys making peace that the season was over, that postseason would not happen, which I'm sure was a difficult pill to swallow when you guys had the talent that you did this past season. But flash forward to right now, you know, things are still just as much in limbo, which is crazy, but realistic. And with this week's news that the Big Ten has postponed all fall sports, a couple universities have stopped all practices, things still feel very uncertain. As a leader for this team, give me a little insight just into what's going on right now. How is the team staying connected? And, and what are you expecting leading up to hopefully a season? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy, for sure. Um, our team has definitely been through a lot, um, just, you know, little stuff here and there. And it's really hard to stay super connected with people, yeah. um, you know, just over Zoom or something like that. You know, it's just, it's not the mm -hmm. same. You're not in, you're not all together, you know, struggling, you know, it, it, it's just, there's that distance in there. Um, and so, I mean, I think all teams have definitely struggled with it, trying to figure out what works for their team. Um, cause every single team is different. And so, you know, we always have, um, we have a, you know, team meeting with the coaches every single week on zoom. And then we just have a zoom meeting with just the teammates, um, every weekend as well. And so, you know, we're trying to stay connected in that way. And then kind of over the summer, we had a, it was kind of like a point system. Um, mm -hmm. and so, you know, if you drink three, bo three bottles of water a day, you got, you know, a point or three points on that day and then you know if you condition for 30 minutes you got some points and so we kind of split the team into different groups and then um you know just said ready so let's go and 
see who wins, get the most points. Um, and so it was fun. Um, and, you know, try to bring out our competitiveness. Um, but, you know, it's just, it, I think the distance on our team is definitely wearing. Um, we're ready to get back. And we were supposed to come back um, July 15th, and then we've been postponed a few times. So, you know, it's really hard on motivation if people are training alone um, and, you know, not being able to get into the gym as much as they want, not having the spotters that they need, um, not getting to the events that they need to do. And so, um, you know, it's a whole new ball game, and none of us have dealt with this ever before, you know, because, you know, gymnastics for me has always been my solid, you know, that's, that's my foundation. It's always there. Um, and so for that not to be there, it's kind of like, wow, you know, this yeah. is, this is real yeah. life, I guess, without Jeanette, but yeah. I'm not ready. <laughs> um, and so we've definitely just tried, you know, every single day, uh, we have teammates send in motivational quotes into our, you know, group chat and stuff like that, just to keep people motivated. Um, and I've been, Actually, you know, my experience right now with training, I'm still training with Hallie Remlinger um, down at our club gym. So I still get that little teammate um, workout in there, which is, you know, just an experience for sure. And I've enjoyed every last minute of it um, just because, you know, this is the last year, you know, and it's like, you know, I'm doing gymnastics because I love it. So, (laughs) um, and so, I mean, our team is, handling as best as we can I think you know we're all eager to get back and and really get ready for a season um and I know that there's even question you know if we're gonna have a season um but for me I'm like well I'd rather be ready for season and have a season than not ready for season and not have a season kind of thing um but you know I just keep going back to is I I love gymnastics I love doing it um and so just give me one more day kind of thing. Oh, that's awesome. That's so <laughs> like, I bittersweet. I can only imagine, you know, like kind of like you, you mentioned this is your last year and, and you, it sounds like you just genuinely love the sport. You just, you love to do it yeah. and the success and the accolades are like a plus. Talk mm-hmm. to us a little bit about what the culture of Golden Gophers is. What is it that you guys really hone in on as a team um, and, and how do you, how do you apply that, especially with incoming freshmen? Yes. Um, so we definitely focus on, I mean, we have values on our team. Um, and so the coaches have their five values and then every single year we pick five values. Um, and so they're all from, you know, finesse to, you know, just, um, grit and all those different things. Um, mm-hmm. but each week we take, um, somebody will go and kind of like teach the value kind of, you know, so they'll go up and, you know, give a quote or we'll do an activity um, or, you know, show a video or something like that. Um, and so we really focus on those values as, you know, living those, you know, not just that these are our values, but, you know, these are our values that we're going to hold and be accountable for this entire season. And they're specific to this team. Um, and so, we really focus on those and then with the freshmen just kind of swooping them up and carrying them along, you know, this is how we do it. Yep. Um, and so, you know, it's really about the team chemistry and just enjoying each other, having fun, um, but also holding each other accountable, you know, not yeah. letting people slide on, on little stuff because that little stuff can eventually turn into big stuff. Um, and so it's definitely been 
kind of tricky this year just because, you know, we've met them through Zoom. You know, we haven't actually met them in person. Um, and so it's, it's been interesting, but we've, you know, gotten creative and playing games and how to get to know each other and over Zoom and stuff like that. Um, so we, we've, we're doing the best that we can. <laughs> right. That's all we can do at this point. Well, Lexi, thank you so much for taking some time to come and chat with McKenna and I. It was great to hear from you. And God willing, the season happens and it, it is normal. We are certainly excited to see what you do in your senior year. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. <laughs> All right, everybody, that'll do it for us this week on Chalk Talk. As always, we thank you so much for listening to us each and every week. McKenna and I are going to continue to do a bi-weekly episode for now, obviously. So much unknown in the sports world and, and not a lot of gymnastics happening. So we're going to stick with this format. We are going to take a break on the meat of the weeks, meats of the week whatever, grammar. Um, Just for a little while, we will, of course, still keep you updated on some different talking points. We're going to get back into asking McKenna some different insider gymnastics questions so you young gymnasts can get a little bit more of her insight. We're going to take a pause on doing these recaps for a little bit until we kind of see how things are taking shape and and what starts to happen getting closer to season. So everyone, make sure you subscribe in the podcast app. If you haven't already, leave us a kind review and we will be back in a couple weeks for more gymnastics action. Everyone have a great week. When you're in the zone, you need to be focused. Bring your A game with Starbucks Double Shot Energy. Pack with B vitamins, guarana, and ginseng. Starbucks Double Shot Energy is the perfect pick-me-up. And it comes in delicious flavors, including vanilla, mocha, white chocolate, coffee, and their newest flavor, caramel. Own the day with Starbucks Double Shot Energy. Available online, as well as at grocery stores, convenience stores, and gas stations nationwide. It's 2023, and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show, Freaking Rocks. Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Stro showed. Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast, available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports Channel. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.